warm welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. Yesterday was World Migratory Bird Day when we celebrated uh, virtually this year uh, the return across continents of our companions of the air. Today is the Sabbath when we as Christians journey home into the presence and promises of God. In the Presbyterian Church in Canada, this Sunday of the church year is known as Christian Family Sunday. And you may hear some reference to this in the scripture readings and sermon and prayers, but also in the music selected by John. The pieces played on the organ and by Juan on the piano and sung by Christopher are all taken from the notebook for Anna Magdalena. It was compiled by J.S. Bach and given to his wife, and the interesting dimension about it is it was truly a family affair. It included pieces composed by Johann Sebastian himself, but also by Anna Magdalena, and also by their children. It was you, O Lord, who formed my inward parts, who knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well. Let us worship God. We begin our readings from God's Holy Word now with a psalm, Psalm 139, and I invite you to read it with me responsively, joining in with uh, John and Danielle and Christopher and Margaret. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. 
You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in, before me and behind me, and your hand is upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the deeps, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the furthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me, when none of them has yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I am still with you. Amen. Much as our strength is in thee, mercifully open our hearts to these readings from your holy word. The readings today are taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 49, John, chapter 19, and 1 Corinthians, chapter 13. Isaiah, chapter 49, verses 14 to 17. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? 
Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste. Thy destroyers and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. John chapter 19, verses 25 to 27. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by, whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 7. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. May God bless this reading of his holy word. Amen. Und zu meiner Ruhe, zu 
Let us pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be found now acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Rose shared with me a wonderful story. About this time last year, she was sitting on a bench on the side of the street and started a conversation with a man walking by with flowers in his hand. He was on his way, he said, to see his mother. And he confided it was not going to be an easy visit. His mother suffers from dementia. And Rose, you told him that you knew about that because both your parents also suffered the same. And yet you said you knew also he would be honoring his mother. And then you said, just because things are not going the way we want doesn't mean they're not going the way we should. God is in it. And those words have stuck with me. Prompted by a walk along the Inner Harbour recently, I've invited you to consider with me how God is in our lives by exploring one of the great, the oldest, standing high cross of the Celtic Church from the island of Iona in Scotland, raised 1,200 years ago, the St. Martin's Cross. Last week we considered how its 14-plus feet point us upwards to the risen Lord. Well, this week I thought perhaps we could explore the engravings upon both sides of this cross. Columba left Ireland with 12 companions and traveled east to share the gospel, landing on the island of Iona around the year 563. This cross was later raised as part of that commitment to communicate the good news in a new land to a new people. And it was raised in a very particular location. It was to be read sunwise. And so we begin with the east face, the face illuminated first by the rising morning sun. The knots and intricate weaves of the Celts were not exclusive to the Celts, but they certainly perfected the art. I gaze upon this cross and I feel these Christians using this art to communicate their sense of the flow, the unceasing movement of life, their understanding of life as a journey, the connectedness of life through every twist and turn, every season and circumstance, and the Holy One, the great I Am, in and through it all. But have a look at the very top. Those are not abstract weavings. They're actually depictions of snakes. Snakes? Our minds race ahead to thoughts of evil and the fall of humanity in that garden of old. But no, in the Celtic tradition, snakes being creatures that shed their skin, 
Snakes are symbols of letting go of a physical body and being granted a spiritual body. Snakes, symbols of rising again. This cross is preaching the resurrection. As we acknowledged in the psalm, there are many things in life that we do not understand. But we live in the assurance that God knit us together in our mother's womb, God is behind us and before us, and God's hand is upon us all this journey through. That our lives are filled with divine purpose and with destiny. I come to an end, and I am still with you. It is this central theme of Christian faith that Paul took up in one of his letters to the Christians of Rome. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. And that is something that many of us, looking back over our lives, can equally affirm. My brother retired recently, just, in fact, as the pandemic was declared. So instead of much-anticipated world travel, he and Kelly turned to jigsaw puzzles, thousands of pieces, and more. I guess they're not only a way to fill the days, but perhaps also to receive some assurance that life, as in a puzzle, may be filled with challenge and struggle and even frustration, but things really do fit together. There really is a big picture, and it is good. This is an assurance that as Christians we know deeply in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God. And so we come to the other face. As the sun travels from noon to dusk, the west face of this cross now shines. And here are revealed not figurative designs, but actual human figures. Carvings on a stone cross like this would be the only books that most of that day would ever read. These figures tell stories from the most important of libraries, the Bible. I find it interesting to identify the stories that they selected in that time and place. There's Daniel in the lion's den, a story that speaks of one who trusted God even under persecution and who knew divine deliverance firsthand and whose witness transformed lives around him. There's Abraham with sword raised on Mount Moriah, willing to give up all, even his beloved Isaac, back to God. And there's also the angel sent to interrupt, for now I know you fear God. And there's David, the young shepherd whose psalms are prayers that place every human emotion from praise to fear to depression to joy before God. Psalms that we continue to use to articulate the stirrings of our souls. David, the youngest and unlikeliest of sons, who was anointed to become king of Israel. You may wish to pause here and have a closer look at these. 
But I ask myself, if we were to choose two or three stories from the Bible with which we would communicate our Christian faith in our time and place, what would those stories be? Perhaps a story of humility, like Adam and Eve and the reminder that we are but clumps of earth into which the Holy One has breathed spirit. Perhaps a story of divine presence and calling, like Moses by that bush burning but not consumed, called to bring others into freedom. Perhaps a story of challenge, like Jesus gathering children to his side and declaring that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, to those who allow themselves to be as vulnerable and trusting as our children. Or perhaps a story of assurance, a scene like the ascension of Jesus from earth to glory, and his last words heard upon this earth being, Lo, I am with you always. What stories would you select to speak of our failings and God's faithfulness, of our dead ends and of God's offer of new beginnings, always new beginnings? Carl Jung was a 20th century psychologist, the son of a Swiss Lutheran pastor. I remember he once wrote that the cross is the, quote, Christian totality symbol. And what he meant is, it seems to sum everything up. The vertical joins what is below with what is above. And the horizontal joins one side with another, east with west, masculine with feminine, one nation with another. And he made the point that at the center, the center where opposites meet, the center is where everything comes together and all is united. Well, look at the center of this St. Martin's cross, and what do you behold? What we see is Mary holding the infant Jesus. What a wonderful way with which to focus the eyes and the heart and the mind upon the gospel. This scene of Mary holding the infant Jesus is not just a statement of God coming to us as one of us, taking on our mortal flesh to redeem us. This is also a declaration that as Christians, as little Christs, God holds us, embraces us, as surely and securely as does that mother, that infant. God declares, remember, through the prophet Isaiah, can a woman forget her nursing infant and not show compassion for the child of her womb? That is God holding us. That love of God is at the center of the cross, is to be at the center of our lives as Christians, a love that we're to share with each other. To two individuals, totally unrelated, but through faith in God, Jesus says from the cross, Mother, here is your son. And to that disciple, 
he says, here is your mother. Jesus declaring that the people of God are meant to be a family of God. The Christian church as a family in Christ. And what did the first peoples say of the Christians? They said, see how they love each other. That was their distinguishing mark, this love of God they lived. The greatest calling of the first Christians was not to build sanctuaries or structure worship or train professional clergy or even print Bibles. The greatest calling of the first Christians, they believed, was to take up and live the love of God known in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. To live life unafraid of death. In the Greek language of the New Testament, there were several words that were used to communicate what we have condensed in our contemporary languages into just one word. In French, amour, in English, love. In Greek, there was phalutia, self-love. There was eros, the passion of lovers. There was philia, of friends, friendship. But there was also that particular Christian contribution, agape. Agape love. It was translated later into Latin as caritas or charity. Agape love, the, the love that we have seen in Jesus. The love that says, I love you. I live with you. I live for you. I die for you. The love that was defined broadly and widely by Jesus, both friend and stranger. So the Christians took up this love, this agape love of Christ in their own lives, and they took in the orphans and the elderly who were abandoned on the streets of Rome. And later they began hospitals, the first hospitals, to care for the ill neglected by the elites of the day. This calling to take up the love of God known in Jesus, this love is at the center not only of this cross, but of our lives as Christians. So today I look at the cross and I hear it speak to me of the Christian faith. It's knots and weavings, the wondrous way God is known through all of life, that God is in it all. God is in it. And also the various engraved biblical scenes and those times when I in my own life have known the presence of God with me and with us and the promises of God for us. And at the very center of this cross and of this world, the beating heart of God's love, a love for us to take up in our own families, in our own church, and in this family, this great family of humanity. Thanks be to God. I conclude now with a prayer attributed to Columba of the sixth century. Let me bless Almighty God, whose power extends over sea and land and whose angels watch over all. 
Let me study sacred books to calm my soul. I pray for peace, kneeling at heaven's gates. Let me do my daily work gathering seaweed, catching fish, giving food to the poor. Let me say my daily prayers, sometimes chanting, sometimes quiet, always thanking God. Delightful it is to live on a peaceful isle, in a quiet room, serving the King of Kings. So may it be. Amen. In our contemporary Canadian Presbyterian statement of faith, known as Living Faith, there is a chapter entitled The Christian Family. 
And it begins with these words. All Christians are members both of a human family and of the church, the family of God. We honor our parents who gave us life and also the church that nurtures us in faith. On this Christian Family Sunday, with these prayers of thanksgiving and intercession, we shall remember both these are families. Let us pray. Some of us with busy homes, some of us in rooms quiet, some of us with happy news to celebrate, some of us with loss and a need to cry. But all of us now, O Holy One, gathering before you, seeking your presence in our lives and yearning to become your family of life and faith. You, O God, have joined all people of all generations as brothers and sisters in a common family. You are the holy parent of us all, and for this we are glad. We seek you because you first sought us. We love you because you first loved us. And we draw near to you now on behalf of our earthly families because you have drawn near to us in Jesus Christ and brought us into your heavenly family. And so we thank you, God, for the families from which we have come. We remember with gratitude all who, when anger and hardness of heart were justified, responded with patience and generosity and forgiveness. Who took risks and made the sacrifices which harmony and growth require. Who at their best have not only been good to us, but also good for us and who by their love have taught us something of your love and the meaning of membership in your family of faith. O oh God, the faces of some of these, our dear ones, we see now only in memories, and yet they still speak to us. They remind us of truths we too seldom pursue and, and values we too often compromise and of people we too often befriend, and of a heritage we too casually abandon. O God, in ways that they did ill, let us learn from the error of their ways. In ways they did well, let us perfect your good work begun in them, and so honor them and you. O oh God, we thank you for the pattern of family life. All of life is there, from the salutation of birth to death's goodbye. God be with you. All of life. And here we learn to belong and that we too can love. And so we think of our families this day, those who have made commitments of marriage, to work together in truth and loyalty, to share hard times as well as good. And we pray, Lord, where there's despairing talk of separation, we pray for new understanding. And where their story together must come to an end, let it be done, we pray, O God, with good will. And we think of children, O God, and we pray that they may grow towards you as flowers to the sun,
and where their homes bear neglect. We pray may they be strong beyond their years and come to know the peace of your love. We pray, O God, for brothers and sisters and relatives of all sorts. We pray that we may hold together as families and not spend precious years apart. Let old jealousies be forgotten, old hurts healed, new understandings found. For if we do not love those closest to us, how can we even talk of loving you? We think, O God, of other families around this world, families separated and families crowded and anxious during these days of lingering pandemic. Families of Nova Scotia and so many other regions grieving loss in the face of personal violence. Families living in the midst of famine and war this world over. Hear us, Lord. As in this time of silence, we lift up our prayers personal for these, our families, and the families of your world. Hear us as we pray. Lord, as we lift them up to you, we pray help us to see that our families Even our extended families are not ends in themselves, but must always be bearing the pain of rebirth into that greater family of heaven and earth by which you embrace all peoples. And so we conclude by thanking you for our church family, for this congregation of St. Andrews, for our celebrations and our struggles and even our sorrows. We pray, O God, bind us together in Christ and with his church around this world and give unto us the grace to become together what you, our heavenly parent, have made us to be, your sons and daughters, brothers and sisters to all peoples of this world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And we continue in the words he taught us together to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
now we conclude, as always, with blessing. Blessing not from Andrew nor from St. Andrews, but from the Lord God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace this day and always. Amen.